Welcome to the WeGo Places podcast, where we catch up with WeGo grads who share with us the story of the journey to their unique careers. I'm your host, Brian Turnbow, English teacher at WeGo since 2001, and you just heard intro music from Andy Georgiev, class of 2022. Today, we talked to Noe Munoz, class of 2012, geologist for groundwater and environmental services. Noe will share with us how he connected his love of science and working outdoors into an essential field that helps keep the environment safe. Joining us from the class of 2012 is Noe Munoz. Tell us what you do. Hey, Mr. Turnbaugh. Good to talk to you. Well, yeah, I'm a, my official title is junior geologist, but yeah, geology is what, what I do at the moment. I actually just started my job. So I started last month on October 25th, still getting to learn the role, but overall I work for a company called Groundwater Environmental Services. And so what I've learned so far is that obviously groundwater, that's what we do, right? But we work with petroleum and gas companies to help remediate, you know, sometimes spills, unfortunately, in the pipelines or at gas stations. Um, So I've had the pleasure to do that, to learn with other fellow geologists. So when did you become interested in this particular field? What was, what were you doing? Maybe at, was there anything like at WeGo that kind of kind of made you uh, think that you wanted to go into this particular type of science? You know, actually at, at West Chicago, my interest was architecture and engineering. So I took a lot of classes with, uh, uh, at the time, I think it was Mr. Cleary and Mr. Johnson. I don't know if he's still there or not, but I took a lot of drafting courses with him. Um, so I initially went to Illinois for civil engineering and then I ended up transferring to geology my sophomore year. Um, but yeah, never took an earth science course at, at West Chicago. I don't even, do we have one? I don't even know, but. Uh, maybe. Oh yeah. So like, so you started off in, in that, what made you want to make the leap over to geology? Long story short, I just wasn't happy with engineering. So I ended up making a switch because of one class that I took. It was like a geology field trip course. And I really enjoyed being outside, number one. And I always liked rocks, but I, I just didn't know it to that extent because in that field trip course, it was literally just four field trips. I loved being outside. So that was my first introduction uh, with a professor called uh, Mr. Stewart. There we go. Professor Stewart. And it just, he was just one of those professors that like really cleared out everything. He's like, yeah, this is what geology is. You know, your, your office is outside. And that's always like such a cool thing because I don't really like being in an office. Like having nature be in my office, which just always seemed very interesting to me. Um, yeah, I, I, I like that idea of nature uh, as your office. Tell me more about that. Those first series of of field trips, like, so what was the? Do you remember what the experiment was that kind of really made you 
really under like really get excited about generating a hypothesis and then you know looking at the ways in which to kind of solve and sort out the different types of data sets from it. Do you remember what the experiment was like? Well, the field work that I did initially was, you know, we would visit a lot of state parks, you know, like Star Rock, uh, the Turkey Run, uh, the Kickapoo down south. Um, and I also did a lot of personal trips to like, you know, Southern Illinois, where the Garden of the Gods, I don't know if you've ever been, but it's one of the most amazing places to visit in Illinois. Like, you can't even tell it's Illinois because it's so rocky and there's rocks actually there. It's not all just limestone like the rest of Illinois. But one of my first field trips that I did was we went to, it actually wasn't a state park. This was actually gravity-fed man-made reservoir that actually had a failure. So the water broke out and just carved out, you know, the side of the, of the hill. And we had to go up all the way to the top. And at this point, they had made, they had made it into like a public park because you because the water literally carved out the landscape on there. So we went up there and took samples from the top and look at the rock and the bedrock. Um, but I, I definitely liked, you know, the hike, you know, getting my hands dirty, being outside, the start of, you know, learning how to identify rocks by their minerals, composition, texture, all that good stuff. Now, as you as you continue your coursework in this field, what's the learning curve on kind of introducing yourself to new different types of measurement tools and mm -hmm. all that? So I'm sure you, they didn't set you up with anything too intricate or complicated on these initial ones. But how did how did the technology and access to it become more sophisticated as you continued in your your coursework? Yeah. Definitely my initial courses were not that in-depth in terms of my laboratory work. But as I had my last like two years of classes, it was just all like lab work. And most of it was like mineralogy, which needed some pretty high-tech microscopes to then learn how to identify rocks using a microscope. And, you know, we would get all these slides of, you know, just like, Thin slices of rock, and we'd have to learn how to identify the minerals and uh, the way that it would change in light. Because um, all of our work is hand samples, but sometimes we do have thin sections. So, so when I took mineralogy, when I took uh, geochem, no, just geochem, no, geochem, which is all math and chemistry, <laughs> um, but uh, petrology was a lot of thin sections. You know, we even had what we call like rock parties. Because uh, we were all given a slide and and uh, with no name or anything, so we had to identify the rock and give it give it a name at the end of the semester. So it was a lot of work for that, definitely. Now, so when did you? So as you kind of transferred into the to the new major uh, that you had, were there any types of like internships that you had to take, or was it mostly you just continued with like like really intense lab work, or both? Yeah. I, I didn't really do any internships. Most of my experience during the summer was either lab work. Uh, and it wasn't always in my field. Like when I was in engineering, I did do an internship. Like IDOT, it was in uh, Rantoul. It was about um, road building. And uh, we used like these like high-tech machines that simulated like a 
cars going over a road. So we would we would do that. And then I've had the experience to go abroad in Madrid. So I did that for two months, even though it wasn't in my field because it was more of a medical biology because I was working with, uh, what's it called? Bone cement. Mainly it just gave me great experience to be in the lab, uh, learning to use uh, a little bit more high tech instruments than we'd, you would use in, in like a high school chemistry. Um, but yeah, it gave me a, a lot of experience with the tools and also helped me learn how to work independently a lot of time. That must have been so fun and enrich. It was such an enriching experience to be in, uh, to do a study abroad. How did you uh, decide to go to Madrid? So again, this I took this study abroad, like when I was trying to transition from engineering to geology. Um, luckily, they still accepted me because this program was very engineering based. But I've always wanted to go to Europe. Um, I'll definitely say that maybe it is a little bit cheating because Spanish is my first language. So I was like, okay, I'll go there. But yeah, you know, big soccer fan. So Madrid is right there. And at the time, you know, Messi and Ronaldo were at their peak. So it's like, why not spend the summer there and get the opportunity to, to visit other places around Europe? So yeah, it was there. I took it and I got accepted. So I went to Madrid for two months. Can I ask? Did you get to see? Uh, did you get to see any of them play live? Yeah, actually, that that night that we arrived, because I, I say night because you know my body thought it was nighttime, but it was daytime. You know, with the seven hour change. Um, but that day, uh, Barcelona was playing Atlético Madrid, so we, it worked out. And when we all got to the airport, and I met these people that I was going to go with from Illinois. You know, they were all saying, oh, yeah, you know, Messi's going to play tonight. You know, we should all buy tickets. And I'm like, okay, bet. And it was like, I think it was like $50. And the tickets were actually pretty, pretty good seats. So, That's yeah. not terrible for $50 to see one of the greatest players in yeah. the era, or in the modern era play. That's a good deal. So, yeah, I, um, that was a life-changing experience because, you know, I had never seen European soccer before. That was my first match ever. But it was different too because I mean I'm a big Barca fan, and my host family is all like diehard Madrid fans. So that was a bit like a <laughs> uh, fun experience. If I was to have uh, someone come in who was like a Packer fan, and I'm a big Bear fan, like mm-hmm. it would be some like you know like some back and forth, um, and it, that would be the end of it. But was it was it a little bit almost too serious? Because you know you always hear how Europe takes their soccer club so seriously. Uh, was that, did they, did they test you at all on, uh, on that front? You know, the, that, that day we went, when we had dinner, so it was two of us that stayed in the same host family. And like my friend Manuel, he was, he was into soccer and like he got a, a Barcelona jersey that day and I had mine too. So I told him, hey, we should both wear them to dinner. <laughs> Not a word was spoken to us the entire dinner. <laughs> um, it answers that <laughs> but uh they actually didn't let me leave with a barcelona jersey on they said it was that serious that i shouldn't be walking outside like with a barcelona jersey so i wore a, like a mexican team jersey i kind of blended in with the atletico but definitely they take it very seriously because i actually was sitting in the atletico madrid like fan section so 
I was also good that I didn't wear the Barcelona jersey because they were getting pretty wild. <laughs> um, yeah, they had like nets covering everything so people didn't throw things into the stadium, into the field. So yeah, it was pretty wild. Where else did you get to travel uh, while you were in Europe? Yeah, so it definitely helped out that uh, the Spanish, they were very lenient. Like if I said, oh, I'm going to go this weekend to travel to Portugal and that, and I can't come back on the Tuesday, PhD uh, student that was I was working under, she was like, yeah, don't worry. Just just come back whenever you can. You know, go have fun. You know, that'd be very different here in the States where they'd expect you to be back on campus like Sunday night, like no questions asked. But yeah, I went to Portugal like a weekend. I went to London uh, another weekend. Uh, I visited Barcelona with another friend. Uh, let's see, where else have I gone? We went to Paris too. Um, oh, you were, I mean, you were there for two months. You saw some great stuff. Yeah. So I was there for two months and I actually stayed a month extra afterwards. <laughs> oh, good for you. So oh, good for you. There's a lot of traveling. It was a lot of fun. Definitely recommend it to everybody to, if your school offers a student abroad, I know right now with COVID, it's like closed down, but as soon as it opens up, students should take advantage of any opportunity to go travel abroad. As you were closing out your year, your senior year with uh, your geology degree, is there like a, a senior thesis or project that you have to do to exit the program? You know, so I think Geology of Illinois didn't require it for me because it depends why your specialization is. You know, I had uh, the Bachelor in Science in Geology, so that's, that only required me to do the field camp, which is not something that everybody does. Some people who do, like, the Bachelor of Arts don't have to do the field camp. Um, people who do geophysics don't have to do field camp. Um, I think... People who do like a senior, senior senior thesis are more academically inclined, so they want to go to grad school, they want to go to get a PhD. Um, but yeah, I went to Utah th- this summer for six weeks as part of my field camp, and uh, that was like sort of like <laughs> like my senior thesis to go six weeks and take a, a class. Now, Utah it must be so interesting because you get to see such a range of geological history, right? Like you're right on the, you know, you get to see how water carved out. I believe the Colorado River probably goes through there, the arches and all that stuff. What what was what was your favorite part of how you studied that very unique landscape of Utah? Yeah, you know, I've never been to the West Coast other than California, so it was a very different landscape, you know, from Illinois. Uh, beautiful mountains. Everyone's outside. Super fit for some reason. Everyone's super fit over there. You know, climbing mountains every day like nothing. And I'm over here, you know, trying. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we spent six weeks in Utah, in Park City, Utah. Uh, we stayed at a lodge called the uh, the, the Chateau Apris. Um, and every day it was, you know, outside, we would be at the, the vans and the suburbans at seven to drive to wherever we had to drive. You know, every week was different. Um, but sometimes sites required us to visit it at least three times. 
you know, we went to different uh, sites around Utah, more mostly the north side of Utah. We didn't really grow to like Byron Canyon and stuff like that in the south. But uh, it also offered us an opportunity to get introduced to economic geology. You know, we had some companies visit us. We had a uh, Rio Tinto, which is like a uh, economic minerals uh, excavation company. Uh, sorry, extraction. Um, so they visit us and they took us to <laughs> this place called Bonanza Ridge, which was what we what everyone called hell because it was four days there and a lot of hiking and walking and you know being out in the Utah sun. It's you know dry heat, you know not the Midwest heat, so it's nicer. And then we also went to Nevada for for a week for a couple of days. Uh, one of the gold companies, gold mining companies, paid for us to come over here, and we camped in a local park. So that was a very funny experience to do that and see like the one of the largest gold mines in North America. So that was cool. What's the type of technology they use for modern gold mining? Because like I think we always think like you know the gold rush, and you you, you think yeah. that they're like you know you know they're in the their river with their pans and shovels and all that. What's what's modern gold excavation look like? Yeah, modern gold excavation. Uh, if I remember correctly, they used to just take you know these like mega truck loads of earth send them to these machines that would like cook you know all the water out and there'd be like microscopic pieces of gold in this earth and that's what they would they would get and they're still finding some it's crazy uh they've obviously already got the the big chunks but they're still finding all this microscopic pieces of gold in this like huge mountainside so they're they're that's incredible so you're saying like they're almost able to sift it on the like the grain level yeah and then it's crazy pulp it together coagulate it i'm not sure what the chemistry word is for it and clump it together uh through kind of like a silt almost wow that's incredible yeah it's pretty crazy um So you, so you got to see, so you got to like a lot of like the ways in which geology is like the, in the mineral extraction and what happens in, uh, in Utah. Um, you, you eventually then settle into uh, working for uh, the company that you said uh, earlier, which was uh, groundwater and environmental services. Um, how did you, uh, how did you uh, hook up with that particular company? Yeah, so I was a little bit late to the game in, in applying for jobs, but uh, luckily I didn't have to wait too long. Um, before I returned to Illinois, and I was, while I was in Illinois, I uh, worked at FedEx as a FedEx driver. So when I came back in August, I was working at FedEx as a delivery driver. And uh, I was applying like every day, you know, looking at stuff in Illinois preferably because I wanted to stay close by at the moment. Um, I wasn't ready to leave to go, you know, to Nevada to work in the gold mine or to go to Utah yet because I wanted to be home for a bit before I left. Um, but yeah, I found them. I, I applied, you know, didn't think anything of it, and they they called me like right up in a couple of days, so set up the interview, and then went into full inter- interview prep mode. 
you know, talk to my friends, talk to my cousins who have experience in HR. And, you know, at took a bunch of notes about the place, you know, learned about what they do, the offices. Um, and they're mainly hydrology, hi, sorry, hydrogeology, which I haven't even taken the course, <laughs> but uh, I did have a lot of experience in the field, which I think helped me out a lot. Um, but yeah, because mainly Illinois, there's, there's obviously no mountains, nothing cool and, you know, like sexy, like mineral geology. But uh, yeah, I found this company and it's close to home. It's in Aurora. So, you know, I gave it a shot. And then when I got the call, when I was delivering at FedEx, you know, of course I said right away, you know, thank you for this opportunity. I'm going to take it. So now we're here a month later, still That's training. Exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the, what's the training like? So you said, I think last time I, uh, we sent messages back and forth on LinkedIn that you were doing some field work already up in Wisconsin. So they're, they're really kind of, you know, you're hitting the ground running uh, with that. So what's, what's the, what's the training like? So I'm sure they have to kind of bring you up to speed with certain regulations and the technology that they have. What's that learning curve like? Yeah. So the first week was all just, you know, office work, you know, that to get accustomed to everything. And the following week was when I started going on the field. I, of course, as a junior geologist, they were not going to put me in charge of a project, but uh, I, I was always with somebody. If it wasn't an associate geologist, it was a staff geologist who was a case manager of a project. And the first one I went to was in Lockport. Um, there was a oil spill, which was cleaned up, you know, years ago. But according to Illinois IEPA, we have to, you know, continue to monitor the wells that were installed and and replace any soil that's still contaminated. So this is a very long process. And I don't think it even was a huge spill. So I spent some time there seeing how the excavation projects work. And then the Wisconsin one was probably the most uh, beneficial to me because that's more about what we do. The excavation is not an everyday thing, but groundwater sampling is. Uh, we went to this, it's actually a house that was tur- that is turned into a re- remediation site that uh, um, this company had a pipeline running through Wisconsin. Um, I'm not sure if I can say their name or not, but I'm, but. Uh, we'll just say company X. Yeah, company <laughs> X. So they had an oil spill and. For them, it was just easy to buy this guy's house, you know, set up a, a huge remediation site. There's like 20 to 30 wells around the site. And so the first day we went was just operation and maintenance of the, the system, you know, cleaning out the filters, uh, making sure the activity carbon was didn't, didn't need to be restocked or not. And replaced um and then it was groundwater sampling so we had to go visit all the wells and gauge the wells to see how deep the the wells are and then take samples to then send to the lab that we use to check for uh certain chemicals that are related to petroleum 
um, because now you're, you're not going to find like significant um, vis you know, you know pieces of product that you can see now it's just like very microscopic so you have to send all these samples and yeah this project has been like i think almost 10 years and, and they still have to keep you know taking samples because that house unfortunately is condemned nobody can live there because they don't want to in a couple of years if someone buys a house they don't want to have a kid who gets sick you know and that links to benzene and then that you have a huge lawsuit so the old company just prefers to buy the house and do remediation over the years you you said that you really enjoyed being outside and looking at some of these structures uh, and all that I, uh, what if what if i had like a a, a magic uh, magic ticket but what if i had like a ticket to take you to any type of geological structure on the planet just for you to kind of observe and just with your own lens as a geologist where would you go I would go to Iceland. Like what's the coolest place where you would like, where you would want to go and just you know observe, study for X amount of time? Hundred percent Iceland. That's definitely my top choice at the moment. <laughs> I mean, if I if I could like, because I'm gonna get married next year. If I could have you know done my honeymoon there, I would have done it. But definitely Iceland is on my top list because it's one of the most geologically active sites right now, and very untouched by humans honestly because not that many people live there and when you visit you have to rent a car because there's no public transportation but you can visit all these mountains volcanoes it just looks like a beautiful place to visit for me you know yeah you're saying about like there aren't a lot of people there i remember watching like several years ago when Iceland was in the European soccer championship in the stadium, they made it quite far. I think they made it to like the semis or the quarterfinals. And I was thinking to myself, is half the island's population in the stadium right now? It's just like, (laughs) there's so many people there and there are not many people in Iceland. So it's just right. Every, every person that I know who's gone to Iceland, they just say how breathtaking it is. The people are so nice. uh, Just a really, an incredible experience. That sounds, uh, that sounds incredible for sure. So uh, do you see yourself in five, 10 years, probably with the same company? I know you said that you're a junior uh, geologist. Uh, What's the next stage in your career? Yeah. um, I do see myself, you know, being here for a bit, you know, not too long. I think like I was talking to one of my friends about it because he asked me if I was going to stay too long, but obviously it's my first job. I want to get experience and learn as much as I can, but I have no immediate reason to leave at the moment. You know, they treat me pretty well. It's close to home. Um, so I don't have an immediate re- reason to leave, but they have, they offer a lot of professional development, you know, like for example, I'm like a P1, which is the junior geologist. And then it goes up to like, associate staff project and then they also offer opportunities to help me become a professional geologist which is you know another step so at the moment i'm very happy where i am but uh obviously if new opportunities open up later on or if i decide to leave the state then i'll look into other things you know but groundwater is where i am at the moment (laughs) 
<laughs> can hear, is that a doggy that you have there? Oh yeah, sorry. It's, my, <laughs> it's so my great now. I, I could hear the sniffing and all that. It's, it's, oh, I didn't so... even know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I've, I've had dogs my whole life. I would know the jingle jangle of a collar anywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's so great. How much would you say what you guys do is maintenance or or preventative in terms of like looking at these? Like, so how much of it is like? If, if we're going to lay out the project to make sure that bad things don't happen, like things go sideways or how much of it is that type of um, like, like you said, like the kind of remediation in that, or is it, is it a, uh, are, are both things that you kind of have an equal balance to what your company does? I think my understanding of the company right now is that we're mostly remediation. Um, I haven't seen any projects or them talk about any, plans to make any preventative projects but yeah for right now it just seems all to be remediation is a and this environmental side of geology um just remediation to be honest so uh, a typical day for you so far has been like what so you you get what's like you get to the office around what time and then do you know like where you're going to be every day is it like are the is it so far do you know that you're going to be going to lockport for this week or like so how far uh in advance do you know what your your kind of schedule is like and what locations are you going to yeah so luckily we have a shared calendar in the office um so i know Two months ahead of time where I'm being sent out. Um, but right now in the fall and like early, early winter is when most, you know, most companies are ending their quarters for the year. So they have to, you know, spend all the money that they, they don't want to spend earlier. So we have a lot of field work at the moment. Um, like I've been in the field think the past three weeks straight almost with like one day in the office but uh if i'm in the office i arrive around eight leave around five four thirty but if i'm in the field depending on where it is you know if it's like a uh a drive there and back like lockport for example if there aren't any union uh, subcontractors that we use, then we can get on site on, like at seven thirty eight. But if we have something like the excavation and all these subcontractors that are union, we have to be there at seven because they start really early and they start and they leave really early. So, but uh, yeah, most of the time, if it, if I'm in the field, I get there early, and we end our day early. So that's pretty nice. Mm-hmm. But especially if you have to travel. That, so you, is your company's range, it goes into Wisconsin, how far? Obviously, you have Chicago, Chicago suburbs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and do you get into Indiana? Do you know what's the what's the uh, geographical range uh, of where you guys will reach? Yeah, so the Chicago office, right? Quotation Chicago, because Aurora is not really Chicago. But the Chicago office deals with like most of the Midwest, like the Great Lakes area. So we go to Indiana, Michigan, sorry, no, sorry, there's a Michigan office, Wisconsin, Iowa, I I think Missouri as well, Nebraska, 
Um, cause yeah, cause I'm going to Iowa next week. So I'm going to birthing Iowa for a week. So that's, that'll be new. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was a lot of, did you get a, did you get a company car to be able to do all that driving? Yeah. Yeah. They have co- company trucks we can use. Okay. Perfect. So, uh, no, wait, as I conclude the interview, I like to ask the guest, uh, what tips for success do you have for current Wildcats? Well, I actually have a lot of, a lot of tips because I have failed a lot. Um, don't be afraid to fail. Uh, ask for help if you need help. Talk to as many people as you can, especially if they're in an area where you want to work in. You know, I, I did a lot of job shadowing in high school and college. So if there's something you want to do, whether it includes going to school or not, look into it as much as you can and uh, make sure you love what you do because if not, you're going to hate yourself. <laughs> No, thank you so much. This has been uh, super interesting. I, I just think this is such a neat career and you get, I mean, you get to do what you love, you know, being outside and, and just kind of testing out and, and solving all these great puzzles of the land. So uh, this has been super interesting. Thank you so much. Oh yeah. Thank you. <laughs> all right, have a great day. Thanks for listening. Help spread the word about We Go Places podcast by sharing this episode with one other wildcat. As always, Find past and future episodes on Apple or Google Podcasts or any other platform. Just search Wego Vox. That's Wego V-O-X. You can also stay current by following us on Facebook at Wego Places Podcast or on Twitter at Wego Places.